0: We've heard it on the show before, adversity, and how in sports you have to overcome adversity, and that comes in different forms. Today, the interview that we're going to have is with a college athlete who has had to come overcome adversity in the form of injuries, schools, coaches, teammates, and you're going to hear her story today, the story of how two knee injuries could have derailed her entire journey, but how she focused on the recovery process, put her head down, got to work, and has continued on with her college basketball journey. You do not want to miss this episode of the Game Time Guru. So...
1: What time is it? Game Time
0: This is the Game Time Guru podcast, where I interview sports figures from all over the world to help deliver a panoramic view on sports. So whether you're a former athlete, one of the crazies, or simply a casual sports fan, this is the perfect show for you, as we peel back the curtains and learn from our guests every single week. I'm your host, Shane Larson, and I'm helping you see sports through a different lens. What's up, everyone? Welcome out to another episode of the Game Time Guru Podcast. I am your host, Shane Larson. Excited to be here for another interview today. Uh, Another awesome opportunity to learn from one of our guests as we go into the weekend. Uh, Get your Friday started right, get your weekend started right, as uh, we learn uh, from more and more people. I want to give a huge shout out to all the listeners who have supported me thus far appreciate every single one of you guys um we've reached over eighty thousand downloads we're in 95 different countries it continues to grow again if you guys know me the point of my like the mission that i have for the rest of this year i want to hit 100 countries by the end of the year so if you guys could leave me a review on apple podcasts if this is your first time listening and you're on an apple device go go find the podcast on apple leave me a review it helps get this out to more and more people and uh yeah We appreciate you, so hit that subscribe button, and uh, I just appreciate the support from everybody thus far. Five years in the making, and it's been an amazing journey. So today, we're going to bring on our guest. She's a college basketball player who, in her short tenure so far in basketball, has gone through quite, I would say, the adversity. You know, We're going to talk about her career, what she's learned through basketball, and uh, some of the injuries she's faced, and how she's overcome those, because I know there's a lot of people who can relate to that. So her name is Taylor Hall. Taylor, thanks so much for joining us.
1: Of course. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. So Taylor, real quick, tell the audience uh, where you're currently playing basketball at. So they have an idea of uh, the logistics of things and where you're at.
1: So currently I play for Biola University, which is in La Mirada, California. Um, Probably people don't know where that is. It's like outside of L.A., about 30 minutes. And um, it's a Division II school. We are a private Christian university and um, our mascot's the Eagles, so that's a little bit about Biola.
0: Okay. Are you are you from Southern California? That's the, that's the one thing I want to ask there too. Where are you from?
1: No, I'm actually from Gilbert, Arizona, which is like in the suburbs of Phoenix. Um, so I transferred f- uh, to Biola from Eastern New Mexico. So I've kind of been all over the place.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. So I didn't know that piece. So Arizona, first and foremost, y- you've lived in basically my favorite two places, like Southern California... Like I would live there if there wasn't some additional issues with California. But like I love Orange County; that's my favorite. We were just down there two weeks ago in Orange County. But I love San Diego, the whole entire Southern California area. It's like my favorite place in the entire world. Um, love that place. But then Arizona is actually where my wife and I are like looking for homes. Like that's like it, I love that whole entire like Scottsdale, Glendale, uh, Glendale. So so you got Scottsdale, Glendale, and even Phoenix. There's some suburbs out there like you were just talking about, like Gilbert. Yeah. Itself. Like I love uh, I love Arizona. So you are like perfect example of what i want to be able to do like live in those cool places um here's a question i got for you taylor as you uh, you mentioned you're, you're at biola university and mm-hmm. before that you were playing at a different school but i want to rewind the clock even more and get to know you as an athlete growing up what uh what would you say was your your sport of choice or preference that were you always just playing basketball or were you like some of those kids that You know, they, they played soccer, they played basketball, they ran track, they played volleyball. I mean, what was it for you? And and what was like, what was your upbringing? Did you have any siblings? Did your parents play? Like, what was your influence into sports?
1: yeah so i've always just grown up like in an active household so my parents kind of forced me into sports from a young age which i'm so glad that they did because i don't know what my life would be without sports um so when i was younger i tried a bunch of different things you know i did like t-ball gymnastics um like little tumbler that kind of stuff i did dance and then i really got into swimming so i was a competitive swimmer for a long time until i was 13. Um, and I just didn't have a love for it. So I just kind of got burnt out. Cause it was a lot, it was two day practices. Um, it was super intense and I was only 13. Like I look back now and I'm like, I don't know how I did that at such a young age. It was super, it was a lot. So I kind of fell out of that. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do going into high school. I want to switch it up and I want to go play sports in college. And my dad and my brother, Uh, my brother's younger than me but he had played basketball throughout his whole life and my dad had played basketball too so i would just kind of like play with them sometimes for fun and i just loved it like ever since i started picking up a basketball i really wanted to get better every single day um i started off obviously like everyone else i was not very good i would just get the ball and start running with it or i would shoot and like kick my foot back like it was ridiculous but yeah, so basically, my inspiration was my dad and my brother. And um, every, like every summer, we would just always go out there outside of the hoops and just play. And so I started late in eighth grade playing basketball. Um, and by that time, a lot of people have been playing their whole lives because, you know, people start earlier playing and I was super behind. So I knew that I had to play against better competition and I had to like really play catch up, which meant training every day, putting in extra work every day that other people weren't doing so that just so that I could catch up. And then when I was able to catch up, like in order to exceed that and like get to my goals of playing college basketball, um, I had to work a lot harder. So that was a lot of words, <laughs> but to answer your questions, I basically just played basketball throughout high school. I didn't do any other sports. I did track um, during track season for my freshman and sophomore year of high school, but I was mainly focused on basketball.
0: That's interesting. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of athletes that are kind of similar. They they test the waters out um, throughout their you know youth, and then as they get into their high school years, that's typically when you start to see people focusing i mean usually you're you're limiting it to one maybe two sports but usually that's when they start to focus if they're trying to seriously get to the next level with it now i love the fact that you mentioned you kind of got a late start to the game uh, so you had to work extra hard when you were in high school talk to me about your routine like what was it like for you in high school did you did you hit the weight room did you have like what did you what was your practice routine like so that you could actually get you know elevate your game since you you know had a later start so you could you know, get to that point. I just want to know, so those athletes that are listening to this right now can take notes on that. Like, what does it take to actually prepare yourself to get to that next level?
1: So literally, I will take no days off. Like, I thought if I took a day off that my shot and my ball handling, I thought it was going to be terrible. <laughs> so I was like, okay, no days off. Um, I started off with this training program in Arizona. It was called Power, Powerhouse Hoops at the time. No, I'm sorry. It was called Arizona Power. And it was just like this big training um a bunch of athletes would be in there and it's run by sundance wicks and jeff becker those were my original trainers i don't know if you know who they are
0: for the but name.
1: um yeah but they're big they're big in the basketball world sundance is now coaching at the d1 level and then uh jeff becker is doing um mental training for athletes right now but they were a ama- they're amazing basketball trainers as well um so that's where i got my start and they had the power basketball academy so i would go there every single day that they had it um if I, I want to say, I think it was five or six days a week, so I would go and just work on my game every day there. I think that was like an hour 15 um, a day. And then on top of that, in high school, we had Basketball Academy, so I would be practicing during that. And then I would also just do my own stuff, even outside of that, just basketball, like all the time. Um, I didn't really get into the fitness side of it, like weightlifting and um, conditioning and stuff like that until my senior year of high school, I say, I got more serious into that. Like, okay, now I'm going into college. I'm gonna have to get bigger, stronger, and faster. But really what I would just do is I would do ball handling every day. I would do shooting every day. Um, and then I played against higher competition, which really helped too. So like, I kind of put myself in situations where I wasn't comfortable. I joined a club team pretty early on. And my freshman year of high school that the girls were just way, way better than me, but I had to, it forced me to, um, adapt and to just play, be able to play with those girls. Cause I had no choice. Like, you know, I either compete with them or I don't. And I said the bench. So that was really good for me playing against a higher competition. I think is always something that you need to do just like playing.
0: I am, I'm, I'm taking notes while you're talking. Um, I love the fact that you mentioned club ball because I was about to ask you that club basketball and how that can elevate your game. So you kind of just like transitioned into that uh, naturally when I was listening to you talk, I think that's such an important piece, Taylor is like putting yourself in uncomfortable situations and and a lot of athletes, for some reason, at least the ones that I coach, I coach club basketball right now, actually. And I coach the 17 year olds. So these are kids that are either unsigned seniors or going into their senior year. And even at this age, it seems like for a lot of them, they become so comfortable with what they're doing. They don't. They don't know what it's like to be in the heat. I always say they don't know what it's like to have the flames around them, and they can't control the heat. They get nervous. They don't like being uncomfortable, and it, and it's weird to me because they're so used to the just their. I don't know what they've just been. I guess molded into that, and it's hard to actually. You can't really train someone within like a three month window on how to like change that. It's it, it, it's it's very very difficult. Um, that being said with club basketball compared to high school basketball, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: where did you, did you feel that club basketball might have benefited you more than high school? Or do you think they both had their benefits to you in your entire development process?
1: Um, Definitely club ball because in high school in Arizona, and it's different in every state, like I know here in California, high school basketball is really competitive because there's just so many good girls out here um, and just such a large population that high school is really competitive. But for um, us in Arizona, it's, Basically, club basketball is where you get recruited from. Like coaches aren't going to come out to see your high school games. And so, um, yeah, club was huge because all the the best girls from Arizona, from the Phoenix area, basically would come down and try out for these teams. And there was, I want to say, like three top club teams, you know, that all these girls would come to. So whenever we're playing each other, we're just getting each other better because it's just the top competition against the top competition all the time. And uh, in high school, there's just such a mixture of a bunch of different girls who may have played. They just like, for example, my school, I was the first graduating class of my school, so we didn't have a lot of girls to choose from.
0: Oh, wow. And
1: yeah. And so my freshman and sophomore year, we only won three (coughs) games. Um, We just basically anyone that wanted to play basketball just was on the team. Like you didn't even have to show up to tryouts because there wasn't even enough girls to make a JV and a varsity team. Um, so definitely club ball is kind of, is a lot more competitive, especially in Arizona. And, um, I was fortunate, like you said, being uncomfortable, like a lot of people don't want to be uncomfortable, you know, and thrown into the fire, but I was taught from the power basketball Academy. And that's what led me into the club. Cause I started off with them and then they had a girls program. Um, and, Coach Becker and Coach Sundance—they always preached like be comfortable being uncomfortable. So I think it was fortunate for me to just like be thrown into that right away. Like, okay, this is what's gonna happen. Like you're gonna be comfortable being uncomfortable, and I just started that way. So that's all I had known ever since was just like, was just that being comfortable being uncomfortable. <laughs> so I,
0: I love that. I love that you. I mean, they instilled that. That's that props to your coaches too over at Sundance. I, I think that's like sorry over at the academy or. Arizona Power. Say it one more time. Arizona Power. Yeah, it was
1: it was Arizona Power Basketball Academy, and then it evolved into Powerhouse Hoops.
0: Okay, hey, I yeah. But Arizona Power Academy. I forgot the basketball academy, and then it went into Powerhouse Hoops. Yeah. Okay. So S- Coach Sundance and Coach Becker. Is that did I get those names right? Yes. Okay. Sundance right.
1: Wicks and Jeff Becker. Yeah.
0: Okay. Perfect. So they shout out to them. Um, I think more coaches need to be like that, myself included. We need to try to instill that in a young age, like, uh, just being comfortable being uncomfortable that's going to be basketball you're going to have some games where you get ran by 30 40 points that's the reality of it especially in club and there's going to be times when you're we're smacking people but like you got to be comfortable when there's heat because that's that's where that's where diamonds are made no pressure no diamonds so you exactly. know Taylor as you as you got older and and you started to get into the you said okay I'm going to be playing at the next level when was it that you actually got an offer or realized that, hey, I can go play at a different school at the next level? Like when did you actually make that decision in, in your high school career? Like when was that like was that your senior year that you said, okay, I've got offers or what was the process like getting signed over to another like to a new school?
1: Yeah. So for me, it actually wasn't through club ball. Like I said, a lot of girls get recruited through there. For me, um, that definitely helped me grow as a basketball player. Um, but it was for me, I felt like more going to camps and reaching out to coaches on my own because I wasn't one of the top ones on my club team like unless you're one of the top ones on your club team it's not like coaches are like going out and searching for you um so and I would say like for girls who are playing club make sure that if you want to go to a certain school and you know that coaches are going to be at your club tournament make sure to reach out to them before you go to that tournament and just say like hey I'm going to go to this tournament. I'll be there just to put your name out there and so that the coaches are looking for you because or else they're really not going to be looking for you. You know, they're only looking at the top, the top talent. And that just wasn't me. Like, like I said, I was a late bloomer. So um, I was, you know, just I was still behind and it was good to get that competition and to get that exposure and stuff like that. But for me, it was going to camps. So my junior to senior year of high school, all I had was like junior college offers basically and I just had to spend all summer um, going to camps and just reaching out to coaches. So I ended up going to Eastern New Mexico camp and that's where they offered me right on the spot. Um, They offered me a full ride. So I was like, okay, if I'm going to get my school paid for, this is perfect. Like this is my dream, you know, to get my college paid for. Um, So that's where I got my first offer and my only offer my only um, full ride offer coming out of high school. And so that's what made me decide to choose there. It wasn't really that hard (laughs) because that was like my only one
0: that no, that's super insightful. Like I think this is information that to you, it might just be like second nature. Right. But like for a lot of athletes, I don't think they even, I I took this golden nugget here. I just typed it out when you said, if you're not the top talent on your club team, which there's only a select few people that can be the Michael Jordans of their team. That's just the reality of the situation. Everyone has their role. You have a a school that's going to your your tournament or something and you know a coach is going to be there, reach out to them prior. That's a huge thing. I I coach club and I've never told my kids that. So that is big. So I appreciate you sharing that. And then the second thing was going to camps. I love the fact that you had to put in the work. Like I think so often these kids think that they can get Instagram famous. They'll post their highlights on Instagram or something and the coaches will come running to you. The reality is that's not going to happen. Coaches have so many kids that they're trying to look for, whether they're guys or girls like there. There's so many athletes out there. They're not just going to be skimming through an Instagram page trying to find your highlights. They want to see you. So you put the work in. You went to the camps. You did the work. Um, and on top of that, like you had already said prior to this, during your high school career, you were you didn't take any days off. You were working on your ball handling and your shooting every single day. You started lifting when you were in your senior year. Like you were doing the work though, all the time, and then making the effort to play club ball, making the effort to go to camps. It takes effort. The kids sometimes I think they uh, feel like it's just going to fall on their lap, and that's just not the reality. So that's super dope to hear that. Now I want to ask you the next question as we transition into your college basketball career, uh, first starting at Eastern New Mexico. What was the transition like, Taylor, going from high school basketball where you were at, which I just found out you said was your you were the first graduating class and whatnot. What was the transition like in the in the college basketball world as a student athlete? And that's on top of like we're talking school and sports compared to that of your high school career.
1: Um, wow. It was a big adjustment. My first semester was crazy. Like, um, it was super overwhelming. I'll be honest, uh, just practicing for three hours a day. Um, and then on top of that, you know, we would do strength and conditioning and then school was a whole like different level. Like you think you go to high school for seven hours out of the day, but in college you go to, let's say two to three classes a day. They're an hour 15 each. But then on top of that, you have a ton of homework um, and studying to do and you don't feel like doing it because you just had a three hour practice. So you're exhausted. Um, And the practices are a lot more intense We're it's a lot more physical in college. It's a lot quicker paced. So for me, it was just an adjustment like, okay, I still have to do my homework when I'm tired and exhausted from that practice, because in high school, you know, it'd be two hour practices, but it's just like, okay, like it was like a walkthrough compared to that of college. You know what I mean? So, um, that was just a big adjustment and time management was a huge thing for me. Like I had never before had to like write out, okay, this is what I have to do in the day. And I have to check off, you know, um, each thing that I get done. Um, that was a big adjustment. And then also just like being on my own for the first time. Like I don't have my mom over here reminding me like, Hey sweetie, like Clean this up or do this like i had to just take that in on my own so i think the first semester of college is definitely the biggest adjustment just everything as a student athlete uh the second semester for me was a lot easier because i'm like okay now i'm already in the swing of things and so now it's just like a way of life like that's what we do we work out we go to practice we eat we sleep. We do homework and that's it. It's just like a cycle. So I think time management was just like the biggest thing that I had to learn.
0: So if you could go back, Taylor, and and talk to your younger self, and this is for all athletes that are maybe in their senior year of high school that are potentially going to be playing at the next level, whether it be basketball, football, baseball, whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, what would be your biggest piece of advice for them to start doing now? Would it be learning how to manage your time and like mapping out your day? Would it be being disciplined on when you go to sleep, stop staying up till two in the morning and yada, yada, yada. Like what, what, what would your biggest piece of advice be if you could rewind the clock?
1: Yeah, I would definitely say just like writing down a schedule of what you need to get done in the day and just block out certain time periods because, and I know for, um, for me too, like a phone or a TV is a big distraction. Like electronics are a big distraction and we don't always realize like how much time we're spending on those things. So, just like writing down the tasks we need to get done, checking off the ones that we need to get done first during the day. Like, I always get my most important thing done right at the beginning of the day so that I know, okay, I got those done. And then allotting t- uh, time aside for, okay, now I have to do this assignment. It might not be due tomorrow, but it might be due at the end of the week so I can work on it a little bit today. And then being like, okay, now I can spend 30 minutes here like on my phone. Um, and then for me, what, what it was a big thing is like I'm a social butterfly, so I love to talk to everyone. And I think I just needed to – this will be the most important thing for me is to just be like, okay, hey, I can't say yes to everything. Because I would say, I, you know, I was going into college and I was like, oh, yes, I would love to go to this event and this thing. Like, we're in the dorms. Like, we're meeting so many new people. But on top of that, like, I need to know that not everyone is a college athlete. Not everyone has this much on their plate. So I need to say no so that I'm not so exhausted and I'm not getting enough sleep. Like, so saying no when you don't feel like it or when you don't really don't have time is super important.
0: That is huge. I think you have to be self-aware. Like you were saying right there, you got to know who you are, what your needs are, be self-aware enough to be able to understand what you need to be doing. And then being able to say, no, that's huge. That's good advice. I, I appreciate that because a lot of kids need to hear this. This is why I'm so glad I spoke to you because I didn't even realize this was going to have this, this gold in it, this interview. I was going to get to the next part of the interview here. Um, but yeah, this is all gold. I've got notes written up on this side of my screen right now, just galore. So if you're listening to this podcast, right now and you're on your phone or something pull up your notepad start writing the golden nuggets down like i am um that's that's beautiful so
1: i appreciate that
0: yeah this is this is rad this is where like i i feel like so taylor this is what i always tell people the reason i even do this show is because i feel like people have so much to share like this is stuff that you might not even think is important but because you're just doing it naturally right now and this is the things you do but i think this is like this is the stuff that helps elevate people and helps keep them informed and educates them and they might not be aware of it. So you could help a couple people out just by sharing that story. So um, yeah, here's the next thing. I want to ask this before we get into the college career. Throughout your life in sports up through high school, did you ever battle with injuries that might have kept you out for an extended period of time? Like what was your worst injury all through up until like the end of your high school career? What was the worst injury you ever encountered?
1: Um, I would say like a stress fracture just Ooh. from literally just from overworking. So I would have to wear... My longest time wearing a boot, I want to say was like a month um, because I would get stress fractures in my feet. I got like two of them in my high school career just because like literally I would just work too much and then I would just develop these stress fractures. So that was my biggest thing besides like a sprained ankle, but I never really had a major major injury.
0: Interesting. Okay. So for those listening, pay attention to that. Going into your college career, you you dealt with some stress fractures. That's actually, in my opinion those are kind of, they're tough because I've had them myself. Mm -hmm. They're not easy. Some of them are worse than others, but those still need time to heal. And that kind of sucks. But um, going into your college career, uh, talk about your first knee injury that you encountered and how it all happened. Because what people don't realize, maybe there's athletes listening to this right now who need to hear this, but like injuries, I didn't know until I was 28 years old, how bad an injury can affect you from a physical standpoint and a mental standpoint. When I Ripped my shoulder out and had to have surgery, and then I realized, oh man, and there's there's a whole process. So talk to us about your first knee injury, um, and how that all went down, and then let's talk about that process to get back uh, to a hundred percent.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, my first knee injury was after a basketball game. Um, I didn't play as much as I wanted to, so whenever we got back, it was um, kind of a long road trip, but. Whenever we got back, I went into the gym, and I was playing one-on-one with one of the guys, um, and I went up for a layup, and then when I came down, my knee just buckled in just just from landing, and he had kind of bumped me on the way up, but it was non-contact on the way down. It was just the way I had landed, um, and I had no idea what just happened because, like I said, I never had really any major injuries, especially to my knee area, like I just... I was so confused. Like my knee felt wobbly and unstable and it hurt at first, but then I was like, okay, no, I can keep playing. Like I'm fine. So, so I was like, okay, check up. And so um, I checked up the ball to the guy that I was playing against and he went to make a move on me and I tried to take a step to um, go defend him. And then it just buckled in again. So I was like, okay, I'm done. This is not correct. <laughs> you know? So, uh, Anyways, in eastern New Mexico, it was a really small town, so things would run a little bit slower there. So I wasn't able to get in for an MRI for, I want to say, like two weeks or something. So I was just walking around the swollen knee. I had no idea what it was. I was just hoping, like, there was just a little injury. So anyways, I go in for an MRI, get the results back, find out it's a torn ACL. And I was just devastated because I'm like, I already know this injury is going to take forever to heal from, and I'll be out of basketball for a long time, which um, – like I'm just such a workhorse like I just I hate taking days off like right. like I said like one day off is just is too much <laughs> for me so um whenever I found out that I, I was going to have to get surgery that was really kind of a mental shock um and then after surgery the rehab part the first 2 months are just the hardest because the first month I was stuck in this brace and it was just locked out so I literally like you can't bend your knee and you have to use crutches. I had to be non-weight bearing for a couple of weeks. Um, and then it's just like the recovery process is grueling because you have to do straight leg raises and just the same exercises every day for a couple of months until you can start putting weight on it. Um, so that's tough. And then also just seeing your muscles deteriorate to like nothing is just crazy. Like you're like, What happened two days ago? I had a muscular leg, and then now that I tore my ACL, it's just super small. So, you're like, How am I ever going to get it back? How am I ever going to walk again? Like, you go through all these thoughts. Um, and a lot of athletes go through ACL tears, so that's how I know, like, okay, it's possible to recover from this, but it just seems impossible at first. So, um, that was tough going through the process. I went to this place called Move Human Performance Center in Arizona, and it was the greatest. I started off at just a regular physical therapy place. Um, the clientele was mostly like old people. So for the first three months, it was just, I was moving pretty slow along the process. And my friend who had torn her ACL in the past told me, she's like, okay, you're kind of behind, like, you need to check this place out. So I go to move and they're like, yeah, you're super behind your knees still swollen, blah, blah, let's get you in. We'll get you working. Like, we'll get you back on the court because this is what we do. We work with athletes and you're going to be surrounded by a bunch of athletes in here. So at the time they had, um, a couple other girls that were in the process of recovering from ACL as well, which was awesome because I was able to work alongside this girl who she plays soccer at GCU and me and her, uh, were only two weeks apart in our ACL recovery. So we just basically like, were able to push each other and be like, Hey, how are you feeling? And I was like, oh, I'm kind of feeling sore here. And she'd be like, oh, me too. So it was, it was cool to be communicating back oh, and yeah. forth and kind of see, yeah, like, how is she feeling? Like, is this normal? Because this is our first time, like, having this injury and all of that. So I'm so thankful for that. And then um, at MOVE, we were doing, like, athletic-specific stuff. It wasn't just, like, the normal straight leg raises or just the normal PT that everyone else is doing. Like, uh, Chad is was is my trainer at MOVE, and he just – he's done so many ACLs, like, he knows what it ta- what it needs to take for us to get back out on the court not like we were before but even better yeah. so um this is so long i'm so sorry but no, going through different. the process <laughs> but going through the process i was at move um 5 5 to 6 days a week because i was behind and um we would we just did different stuff every single day like i never went through the same workout working on explosiveness working on Uh, How to land because landing is the most important part I learned is just making sure that you land and use the correct muscles and land with your knees apart because us girls a lot of times like we cave our knees in Um, just doing a bunch of different stuff. So at the end of it, I got back out on the to the court at seven months, I think I was back 100% um, playing against five on five full court competition Uh, which is pretty quick compared to, like, the full nine-month recovery. And I felt like a much better athlete than I had ever felt like before because I had never focused on the stuff that we focused on at MOVE with the um, explosiveness and just engaging the little muscles um, all over in different areas of our body, the balance, everything. Like, I felt like a whole new athlete, honestly. When I got back on the court, super strong, I felt so strong. Like it was ridiculous. I'm like, okay, this knee is better than it was before. So thank goodness I tore my ACL because I learned a lot about my body and this process has been great. Cause now I feel like, so like, I feel super explosive. Like I had never felt like that before. So that was my journey on my, um, ACL the first time around.
0: So a couple of things there, that is wild but i actually relate to a lot of those things and i and i think there's a few things you said earlier like am i ever going to walk again um, all these little tiny mental things i don't think people realize cuz i what you also mentioned there's a ton of people who've torn their ACLs that's a very common injury unfortunately in sports uh football basketball whatever it's a very common injury and with that, I think the general public just sees that and assumes like, oh, yeah, it's just a torn ACL. They'll get it surgery on it. They'll recover in nine months. They don't see what goes on behind the scenes. They don't see what you were having to go through in your PT every single day and the mental grind of like, am I ever going to walk again at first? Like you're going through all those at first. And, and that is very taxing. The muscular atrophy that happens like where your, yes. your body starts to change. Like for me. And I've said this before on this show, but when I tore my shoulder out, I was obviously 28. So I was past, well, I was still playing at an extremely high level for basketball, at least locally. We were doing well. I was still in great shape and all that stuff. But as soon as I tore my shoulder out, I'm like, oh, it's a shoulder surgery, whatever. I literally couldn't move my arm. Two weeks after surgery, I started PT and I literally couldn't move my arm. I couldn't move my arm like even an inch away from my body. So I was like, I'm never going to, I'm never going to be able to raise my arms again. Then -hmm. I started getting depressed. Then they're giving me pain pills, which I've never taken before in my life. Like I'm Mm -hmm. talking high, high stuff like i'm talking like some hydros and all sorts of pain pills and that messed my head up even more psychologically because i didn't like them they made me feel weird and so i was in i was a mess and it was like a six month recovery and even then i just remember like when i was finally cleared to play basketball well then i wasn't even in basketball shape i was it was taking me a while to get back into shape and i was i was the way i play now even if it's been five five and a half years since then um, it's completely different. The way I play is completely different than I used to play. Cause I'm, I'm still Absolutely. a little bit nervous about it. Like it's always in the back of my head. Um, mm-hmm. So all those little mental things that you say, I, I'm glad that you shared those because those are what athletes are truly going through behind the scenes. But you mentioned this was the first time, the first go around. So you get back and you have this confidence, like you've learned these little things, the tiny little things that this, this place has taught you. And then talk to us again, like what happened? Cause you mentioned it was the first time, but what happened the second time around?
1: yeah so the second time around um like i said i never would have expected this because i felt so strong and like i was like this is never gonna happen again because i'm so prepared um after playing for like about a month like it wasn't even a thought at the back of my mind and my doctor didn't even want me to wear a knee brace because he's like the best protection for your knees is just your muscles and if you wear a brace it could be like um kind of a mental crutch at sometimes. and so he just told me like you know the best Um, the best brace is your muscles. So I felt super strong. Anyways, we did not end up having a season at Eastern New Mexico because it was completely canceled due to COVID. So we just had no games at all. Um, So I returned home and I was playing in a pickup game this time um, against some good competition. Like it was good, solid um, pickup competition. And anyways, I was going up for a layup again. And, um, this time I was going up against, I don't know how old he was, like probably in his thirties. So bigger guy and he comes to try to block my shot. And as he comes to block my shot, his body just falls on top of mine and we both fall to the ground. And while we're on the ground, my knee buckles in and, um, he like, he's, he's probably a 200 pound guy. So it's 200 pounds on my knee. And I'm like, Okay. Like what just happened because there's no way it's my acl again like because i had kind of felt a little bit of something like a little shift but i didn't really know i was like mm, no it's fine you know um so i had no idea Anyway, so i got up uh i was like you know what i've learned for my first time i don't need to keep going like this is it i'm just gonna just gonna take a break see how it feels tomorrow um get some ice on it so i went home and The first thing that I did was I actually called Move. I called um, Jackie. She, her and Chad are the owners of Move. And um, I called her and I was like, hey, I kind of tweaked my knee. Um, I want to go get it checked out by the trainer. So I got it checked out and basically, you know, there was, she did the ACL test, which to see if your um, knee is stable or not. And it was like, it was fine. So I was like, okay, good thing it's not my ACL Um, I don't know what it is. So we just need to get an MRI. So I got in for a quick MRI and the results came back and it just said that I had torn my meniscus so that I was going to have to get that repaired, which is just a three-month recovery. Just like get it cleaned out um, and do rehab. It's pretty short, like no big deal. So I was like, oh, perfect. Um, It won't be that long. Like I'll be ready for season. I'll be ready before season, like no problem. And so anyways, I go in for surgery um, to get that done. And when I come out of surgery, I find out that my ACL is actually, was completely (laughs) torn and that my meniscus was partially torn and they just had to like scoop a little bit of a, um, my meniscus out, but I had to completely repair my ACL. So it wasn't until I came out of surgery that I found out I was going to have to go through that same process all over again. And, uh, this is 12 months after my first ACL surgery.
0: I want to ask you this question real quick. Your mindset. How did that affect you mentally? Finding out after the surgery that here we go again. You know, it's going to be another process. How? What was? How did that mentally affect you this time compared to the first time?
1: Uh, yeah, that was. It was a lot tougher, honestly, because I was like, "Am I going to be able to play basketball again? Is two ACL surgeries too much to be able to return um, at the college level, or if at all?" Because I don't want to have this be a detriment to the rest of my life, you know, down the road. So like, am I going to be able to return? Um, that was my first question. And then my second question was why, like, why do I have to do this again? Like, I just went through this, like, why me? I'm, I just, I kept asking God, like, I don't understand. Like, I just had this great comeback journey. Um, I was in the transfer portal at the time. So I'm like, why me? Why now? Like, I just, I had no idea. Um, so the mental, the mental was definitely harder than the physical because I was in a lot of pain. Of course, you know, when you come out of surgery, you know, you're in, you're in pain, but the mental pain is a lot worse. Just like thinking about the worst things and just kind of, I I was very, uh, I would say selfish at the beginning, like asking like, why me, why me? You know what I'm saying? Instead yeah. of be, looking at the positive, um, I, I was very negative at, um, in the beginning.
0: Hundred percent. I can understand that, and I think that's validated because that's what I was thinking in my head when I read your story before I ever reached out to you to interview. I I got anxiety on your behalf because I just I'm trying to put myself in your shoes. I'm like, oh my gosh, like that. It, it's just this whole process has to start over again. Plus, like you just said, you were in the transfer portal. There was all these other things that you have to look about for your future. But now you got to take care of this, for, and it's just a it's a nightmare. So obviously we're talking to your college basketball player. So it's worked itself out. So in, and what happened to get you over to Biola university in in Southern California, like how did that work out? How long was your recovery process? Was it seven months again? Um, did you go through move on the second one to like go through your PT? Like talk to us about that so the athletes can see like, Hey, you know, it worked out. She's, she's doing okay.
1: Yeah. So, um, it was tough because I was in the transfer portal and, I didn't know where I was going to go to school. Um, I had verbally committed to Biola before I tore my ACL or before I found out that I had torn my ACL um, since I didn't find find out till after surgery. So I had verbally committed to Biola um, and I had to call my coach because they because coaches can take away verbal commitments. So I had to call my coach after surgery and be like, hey, coach, like, do you still want me? Basically, I just tore my ACL. Um, I'm not sure if I'll be recovered in time for this season, but like, you know, I just wanted to let you know in case there's another recruit out there that you want to pursue. Thankfully, I have a great coach here at Biola and he was like, heck yeah, we still want you. We know that you're going to recover. We know that you're going to be back on the floor and we know what you can bring to our team. So Uh, We still want you. So that was just a huge weight taken off of my shoulders because I was just stressed that, you know, like, okay, I'm not going to have a school. I'm really not going to have a place to go to. Um, so I'm super thankful for that, that he still trusted in me and trusted in my journey, my process, you know, and I ensured him like, Hey, I'm going to come back stronger. I'm going to put in the work every day and I'm just going to be better overall. So I just wanted to like ensure him of that. Um, to make sure that he felt like, okay, I'm vested in this program, I'm invested in this team. Um, I The reason that I transferred from Eastern New Mexico wasn't a good fit for me. Um, it was just not a good environment at all. And um, so for me to move from there to Biola was just, just night and day. Um, so now I'm here. I went through move again through my ACL recovery the second time around and I didn't finish it there. I w- I came here at about, I wanna say I was four and a half or five months out of um, surgery. So I was able to do a lot of things, just I wasn't able to play with contact yet. Uh, I think I had just started maybe doing some lateral movements and stuff like that. So when I came out here, I had to just kind of finish the um, PT process with what I had known from the past and also with chad he he would send me workouts from move just to do over here and then the training staff here would help me as well so i finished my recovery process here at biola and then i returned out on the court to play in my first game um six and a half months out of surgery so this time i recovered even faster than my first time and i think that's because i knew like okay this is the process like and i'm trying to go through this quicker um And Chad actually put me through an accelerated program. So we started with lateral movements at 12 weeks, which is earlier than a lot of ACL recoveries. So it was, it was a cool kind of experience just because I got to experiment with, I guess, two different types of recoveries and see that, wow, since I know like what I'm doing this time, I'm able to return faster. And again, I felt just like, I just felt like just before I had torn my ACL like stronger, faster, quicker um, from going through move and from doing all that stuff that I had to do.
0: I love that. I'm so happy you made it back out there, too. It's crazy because you even said after your first surgery, You were a couple, you were behind a little bit on your recovery process that first go around, but to hear about how quickly, not only your first, but your second recovery process has ended up being is phenomenal. Um, how did your season go as far as like your, your, your season at Biola playing and whatnot? Did you feel strong on the court? Did you have a good experience this year? Um, getting, finally being able to be back on the court with a team with that COVID year in the middle of it and all the, the, the knee injuries and stuff in between, how did it feel getting back on there with your teammates?
1: Um, It felt great just to be back out there on the court playing again because I really hadn't played in such a long time. Um, It wasn't the season that I wanted. It wasn't I didn't accomplish the goals that I set for myself. Um, So, you know, next year I'm looking forward to it because I'll have this whole summer to not just focus on rehab like I have the last couple of years. I'll be able to focus on basketball and just playing getting better. So I'm excited for next season. This season wasn't what I had wanted, but I have also have to give myself grace at times and be like, hey, you just went through two ACL surgeries. So like, you know, let's go get it back next season. Um, But I'm super thankful to be here at Biola. It's a great school. Um, Obviously, Southern California is a huge difference from Eastern New Mexico. So I really enjoy that and just being around other motivated individuals and um just a great community here so and it's also easier to get from here to home so i'm able to make those weekend trips sometimes
0: oh yeah that's super sick i can imagine mm-hmm. that that's that's probably very very nice so mm-hmm. as we wrap up the interview taylor like i want you to just if you could share like one piece of advice for athletes who have gone through injuries if you can go back through all the processes and everything you've gone through let's say i'm a person i'm a high school athlete or i'm college athletes first time getting injured maybe I injured my ACL I'm going through a major surgery what would you tell them as they begin their journey
1: um I would say enjoy the journey stay in the moment um don't think about the past or like what could have should have would have happened um and don't try to think too much about the future I would just say enjoy your journey because every step of the journey um is going to teach you something and everything happens for a reason. And so that's what I always had to keep reminding myself, like everything happens for a reason and I'm going to enjoy this journey because this is where I'm at. So um, and then on top of that, I would just say focus on getting one percent better every day, because if we can take that one percent, then we're going to improve. So I think those are the um, most important things that I would always tell myself going through that process, going through high school, going through everything
0: super awesome and you should write a book one day when you're when your basketball playing days are over maybe that's 10 15 years down the road after you're done playing whatever but you should write a book about this experience i think you've, you've shared so many golden nuggets i've taken notes on. i'm like dude you could totally write a book out of this each one of them is their own chapter um oh for those gosh. listeners out here for those listeners out here uh southern california let's say people want to go down to southern california what's your favorite restaurant to eat out there now that you've kind of experienced the socal lifestyle
1: Ugh, there's so many good ones out here. Especially with sushi, is my favorite. So there's oh, so many sushi it. restaurants.
0: What's the best sushi restaurant? So I know. Ugh.
1: I mean, the best one that I've been to is Nobu. It's super fancy. I've, I'm sure you probably heard of it. Um, I have. But that's so. <laughs> no okay. Nobu is is pretty fancy schmancy. But any sushi place out here is good. I think compared to Arizona, so literally anyone you go to is probably delicious.
0: I dig it. Sushi in Southern California. So the funny thing is my wife and I are thinking about heading down there for, my wife went to school in Orange County in San Juan Capistranos when she went to college there. So um, anyway, we like to head down to Orange County every once in a while. Like I told you, I love love Southern California. So Mm -hmm. that might be something we do. I love sushi. I just, I haven't eaten any sushi down there, surprisingly enough. I've been there a ton of times, but never eaten any sushi. So I will, uh, if we head towards that city where you're at, I will check out Nobu. Okay. Biggest life lesson that basketball has taught you thus far in your life?
1: Um, I would say that. Shoot. There's so many things basketball has taught me and it's so hard to just pin down one. Um, I'd say that like overcoming adversity is overcoming adversity. It, I've just had to overcome a lot of adversity in my life, um, whether that's through injury, through schools, through coaches, um, teammates, everything. Like you just have to be – I think the biggest thing I would say is just being like mentally tough and that's it's taught me a lot about that, overcoming adversity and being mentally tough.
0: I dig it. That's that's a, such a huge thing. That is why that is exact, exactly why athletes are not dumb jocks. They learn all these these skill sets that they can translate into their regular lives. This one being one of them, overcoming adversity, you specifically injuries, schools, coaches, teammates, everything. You have to build that mental toughness because we all know when you get out into the, the workforce, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're working a corporate job, whatever it may be. That's not always going to be good. If you're in a relationship, your significant other, you're not always going to see eye to eye. You've got to be mentally tough for a lot of the ups and downs of life. People lose jobs, income changes, all sorts of things. You learn a lot of that stuff through, through your sports world and your sports career. So that's awesome. I appreciate it, Taylor. What's uh, the, the last question I have for you is what can we expect to see from you moving forward? I'm assuming with basketball and whatnot, but do you have other goals and ambitions as well outside of the, the sport of basketball.
1: Yeah. Well, next year you can expect me to be killing it on the court at Biola. Um, watch out for number five. We're going to have a great season next year and um, I hope to win the conference tournament with my team and to go to the NCAA tournament for the first time with them next year. So that's the goal. And then um, on top of that, I really want to um, start my own health and fitness brand. So I'm kind of working on that right now. Um on social media just trying to build up a platform so that people know hey this is what athletes do like we're not just basketball players i enjoy um i enjoy cooking i enjoy the fitness aspect of it which i really picked up going through my acl journeys and just kind of seeing like wow fitness can do a lot for you and you can like from seeing your leg like that small and then it growing and all the different things that you can do to make yourself stronger. Um, I kind of fell in love with that process. So I really want to be a fitness trainer, um, kind of health and fitness coach. And eventually the goal is to start my own brand and have my own apparel line. So, um, that's the long term goal. You know, that's not going to happen within the next couple of years, but in five to seven years, I hope to build enough following and enough, um, uh, enough people that like the, the Taylor hall brand that I can um, build that into something bigger. So
0: that's what I'm talking about. That's what I love to hear. That's super cool. So hopefully, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, guys, go follow Taylor, follow her journey. I'll tag her current Instagram. Do you have another Instagram yet? Like for your fitness stuff quite yet, or do you have any other socials or is that in the works later on?
1: So I have, I have a YouTube channel. that? Um,
0: Shout it out. Shout it out. We're going to put this in the description.
1: Okay, so my YouTube is Taylor Hall, but you have to look up Taylor Hall and then basketball because or else the famous hockey player Taylor Hall will pop up. That's not me. <laughs> and basketball. So my channel is just Taylor Hall and then just look up basketball. I should pop up on there. Uh, there's a lot of stuff on my ACL journey. I documented that a lot on there too. And then on Instagram, I've kind of collaborated. So I have fitness, health, and lifestyle kind of all in one just on my account that's what um, I'm moving, moving in towards right now. So that's just at underscore Taylor Hall. I mean, I'm sorry, at underscore Hall Taylor on Instagram.
0: Perfect. I'm going to be tagging both these. I'll link the uh, YouTube channel here in the description of the podcast so you guys can find it. Um, again, if you're just typing it in there, Taylor Hall Basketball. But I will find the channel and, and link it directly in our description here. And then Instagram at underscore Hall Taylor so you guys can follow her there. That's that's what I like. I think it's so cool. You got basketball. That's your main focus and priority right now. But you're also building your future and and what you want to do. And I think you're gonna bless a lot of people's lives. Plus, one day I'd love to, uh, like I said, I would love to uh, see you write a book about this whole journey one day. So, uh, I might we'll just have
1: to. <laughs> Let's do
0: it. I want. I, I'll uh, I'll ask for a signed copy one day if that if that comes out. So, Taylor, I just appreciate your time. I appreciate you being willing to to share your story with us. And yeah, once again, just thanks for joining the Game Time Guru Podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This is so much fun.
0: Absolutely. For those who are listening, make sure you're subscribed to the show. Again, if you enjoyed the interview, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll be coming to you next week with another one. Take care. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.